today we're going to be starting into uh, a new series. Uh, this new series uh, is called The Best Laid Plants. Uh, and it's something we're going to take a break from our series in John on. Uh, we're going to be going through this. And the, the whole concept of this series is uh, we might have our best laid plants. The things that make the most sense for us. The things that we want to try and accomplish. The, the goals that we want to set and, and try and, and earn. But are those really the best things for us? And how do they then line up with God's plans? Uh, and so it's a good thing to kind of step back and take a look at, well, here's the things that I'd like to do. Now, do those actually line up with God's principles or even what he has for me in my life? Uh, and to be able to examine those things. And so we're going to go through those uh, in a number of different things. Uh, but what I really also like is that uh, this series... Uh, is really coming along uh, in step with uh, some of the things that we feel like God is calling us to be and do as a church as, as part of our identity. Uh, we covered one aspect of that last week where we're a church that worships. Uh, and not just in music and in song, but the sense of worship is, is bowing the knee or kissing the hand or, or submitting to Jesus as Lord. Uh, and so we looked at that this or last week. Uh, this week we have uh, another uh, pillar that we felt God has, has spoken to us on these Friday nights, this other aspect of our identity. And, and this is what I really feel fits in with this series providentially uh, as these things are coming together. Uh, and that is that we are a church that submits. We're a church that submits. Now, as I say that, I realize there could be a whole lot of different emotion that comes in to that word submit. A whole lot of different thoughts and ideas uh, on what it means to submit. And, and I think that if we would make the statement that we're supposed to submit to Jesus, uh, that's an easy one. <laughs> For us to agree with. Yes, we submit to Jesus. He is our king. He's our Lord. He is the chief shepherd of our church. We submit to Jesus. But you realize scripture also calls us uh, to submit to leadership, to submit to authorities, to submit in marriage, to submit to one another. And so when we bring these things in, then, then it starts to get a, a little bit more muddy for us. And we might be thinking of different circumstances that we've been in, or, or this idea of submission, even within our society, is something a, of a negative sense. We feel a sense of loss or, or giving up of our own control or ability to choose. Uh, I think of, you know, professional wrestling and when I used to watch that and the submission move, you know, or like put somebody into the ankle lock until they give up. You know? And so that idea of submission is, is a bad idea if you're the loser. Uh, maybe submitting, uh, you feel like, as a sense of being weak. Or submitting is a chance of somebody else domineering over you. Maybe you even think of past church situations where you've been in and you've been called to submit to leadership. And I remember being in a church um, and hearing this very thing as the pastor's up front and, and there were some disagreements in the church over how certain things should be done. And, uh, and this pastor gets up on this Sunday uh, and he starts off uh, by doing this powerful message about don't go against God's anointed. And the sense of the whole message was, uh, don't go against me. Because I'm God's anointed here, and so therefore you all listen and, and follow me. 
and, and I think a number of us in this room could think of different situations we've been in, whether it's at church, maybe it's a job, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a marriage, maybe it's parents. Any number of things where uh, being submitted or being asked to submit has been uh, a negative concept. Something was very difficult. and Perhaps you have uh, wounds from those situations. And, and I think that's something the enemy definitely wants to use. He wants to, to use those things to, to get us into a sense of, okay, well, we need to be careful about submitting because it could go bad. Or I've been hurt because I submitted. Or, or somebody was trying to, to use their authority to force me to do things. And it creates this aversion or this, this wall to submission. And, and I just want to acknowledge that those things uh, exist and those defensive things that we have in our mind were, were developed for a reason. But we have to be cautious not to allow those things to, to block us from, from God's plan. We have our best laid plans, but, but he reveals within Scripture clearly that we're supposed to submit to him. Clearly we're supposed to submit to leadership, submit to one another. And as we go through this series, uh, we're going to be looking at each one of those things so that we can anchor it in Scripture. What does this look like biblically? What does it actually mean to submit because it isn't in the sense of submission uh, to my dog at home when they've done something wrong. And I'm like, no, stop. And they're sitting there like, no. And then they get the little, you know, wiggly bum. And then they're like trying to be cute and then trying to lick you. And it's not that sense of submission. But yet we're called to submit. We take a look at uh, the Oxford Language Dictionary and what submission is or submitting is. Uh, it's to accept or yield to a superior force or to the authority or will of another person. That's a difficult thing to do. Well, we take a look at the biblical definition. Uh, it's hupotasso, uh, which means to subordinate, to obey. And it's actually two different words put together that literally means under order, under authority. And I think in our humanity, we struggle to accept this for, for many different reasons, but I think primarily uh, two. I think the first thing we resist this idea of submission uh, is because of past abuse or past harms that have been done to us. I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness. Uh, you've heard this story before. Uh, but I also know of other people who have, have kind of grown up as Jehovah's Witnesses and left the Witnesses. And, and by far the greatest percentage of people who have left the Witnesses uh, never want anything to do with organized religion again. Because of the abuse that they've experienced. Because of the pain that they've experienced. And maybe there's people in this room where it wasn't the witnesses. It was something else where you're like, yeah, I don't want anything to do with organized religion. But you have to define what do you mean by that organized religion. And then what does Scripture actually call us to be as followers of Christ? Because we're all called to be together and there is structure and there is order given to us in Scripture. How do we submit to what that is in a healthy way that glorifies Christ and loves one another? And we need to examine that. 
The other reason uh, that I think that we struggle with a sense of uh, submitting is a sense of our own pride and desires. We have a desire to, to take care uh, of number one. I, I need to make sure that I'm healthy first before I can help other people. Right, we have all of these different concepts and, and thoughts in our society. Uh, it drives us to a sense of making sure that we're first. And with that, there's studies that have been shown. There's a, a guy, uh, his last name uh, is Shigid, um, that did an article for Oxford and I forgot to put down some of the stuff in here, but he shows that um, the sense of entitlement from the 70s going forward has just increased. And, and part of it has to do with the way education has changed. Um, part of it has to do with uh, the job and uh, what people expect out of a workplace. Uh, and it was even there was a quote, and I wish I'd wrote this down, but um, this guy back in the 70s was writing and saying, like, we need to be cautious uh, because if this sense of entitlement continues to grow, uh, we're going to find ourselves uh, in a position where nobody wants to work and then earn and grow within something, but people are going to hop from job to job and employees will have a hard time finding people to, to work. And what's happening right now? in our day and age. Help wanted signs everywhere. And we see these things happening. And so this, this sense of entitlement without much effort or, or none at all, if people don't get what they feel entitled to, then it creates a sense of self-pity, which then can lead to anger and a sense of being just in their anger. Whatever, whatever the anger is about, I'm right to feel this way because I'm angry. And I don't need to consider you. I don't need to consider your situation. I don't need to consider what has happened. I don't need to consider how you might feel about what just has happened. I'm angry and I have a right to be angry. It is an entitled, self-focused moment. We're allowing our emotions to rule. And it's just a sign of entitlement. It's a sign of self focus and all of these things working together I, I think work within us this uh, aversion to submitting now again we can submit to God but we, I think we have aversions to, to submitting to him in all things but submitting to one another submitting to leadership it's really hard to do if we're just focused uh, on our own needs uh, and our own desires. And we're going to get into some of these different things when it comes to the family, when it comes to what does it mean to submit within church, what does it mean to submit with the designs for our own life. But uh, today I want to focus uh, on this idea of submission to God. And as we focus on that, I, I believe it points uh, yet to another pillar, another sense of identity that we received uh, on these Friday nights uh, that's revealed out of being submitted. But first, uh, take a look at Scripture here. We were designed by God. We were created by Him. And there is a true reality to the Creator of the universe. Loving us, coming down, dying for us, offering up his life for us that in forgiveness uh, our sins might be repented of or forgiven. We find grace and we find mercy. I think this is what we were singing about in these songs where speak to my heart what is true. 
And even as we were going through those four songs this morning, like I, I was struck with how much they actually relate to the message this morning. And I didn't tell Jesse we were going into this new series or what this was about. I think it's just a move of the Spirit that says, all right, we're going to sing about these things first before we get into the Scripture on them. But this idea of submitting to God who is the creator of all things. And if we truly believe that, then we need to submit and follow him. Romans 8, 7 uh, says that the mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. If we have a mindset focused on the world, a mindset that is constantly looking at what's going on around us or within us and what we want, what we desire, what we want to control, it's impossible to submit because we're submitting more to ourselves, more to the world than we are towards God. Romans 10.3 says, Since they are ignorant of the righteousness of God or the holiness of God, and attempted to establish their own righteousness, they've not submitted to God's righteousness. It's hard to submit to all that God is when we're constantly trying to establish our own sense of righteousness, our own sense of holiness, and then live up to the substandards that we have claimed for ourselves instead of acknowledging God as absolutely holy and Him calling us to live as He is holy. Be holy, for he is holy. And so we need to submit in that. Proverbs 14 says, There is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. If we take God out of the picture, and we look at the best laid plans of mice and men, which is where we kind of get this quote from, what does it lead to? What's its end? If, if you don't have eternity in view, in mind, the existence of God and everything that he's done for you, if you set aside the sense of his calling on your life, of something greater than this, what this world can provide, any plan that you come up with, what's its end? It's all temporary. It's all in dust. And it will all change and it will all shift in the way that the world is changing and shifting. It's only in Christ that we find things anchored in the eternal, heading forth into life and fruit that lasts. Isaiah 55 uh, says this way, God speaking, My thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration, for heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Uh, this is a verse that, that we point to, like even jokingly sometimes, when things are kind of like, ah, oh, I don't quite get what God's doing. Well, his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are greater than my thoughts. Uh, it's almost this placating declaration that we do at times. But there's a deep truth to this verse. His ways are greater than our ways. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. And so why would we not submit to his ways? Why would we not submit to his thoughts? 
and yet we try and hold on to them. We, we fight for them sometimes to hold on to them. And this is where it comes into the second pillar, the second sense of identity, or rather third sense of identity that we've gotten uh, on Fridays. The first one uh, was a, we're a church that worships. Second one is we're a church that submits. Third one is we are a church that rests. We're a church that rests. But we can rest because we're submitted. We can rest because we're submitted. Because we trust God and His plan. No matter what's going on in the world around us, we can rest because Jesus has it. He is the King. We have worries and fears and anxieties of things that are happening in the world. We're able to set these things down because Jesus is in control. Matthew 11, he says it this way, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I'm lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's a choice of setting aside, trying to carry things in our own strength, and instead saying, God, I submit to you. But it still means doing. It doesn't mean we just stop. It's not the kind of rest that we're talking about. I was just listening to a sermon earlier this week, uh, and he pointed out something that, I, that I'd never realized before. Uh, the nation of Israel, when they left Egypt, they ended up wandering in the desert for 40 years, right? And, and everything that they needed, the, the water came out of rocks, and, and manna came from heaven. It was provided for them. Then they get to the promised land. The promised land that is what? Flowing with milk and honey. And they had to work. They had to farm. They had to shepherd. They had to clear the land. They had to do. Their, their time of wandering was, okay, here's the water, here's the manna. It's kind of plain, like bread and water. It's enough for you. But it's given to you. Getting to the promised land meant still doing stuff and submitting to the Lord. So what Jesus is saying here, he's not saying you can just stop. But rather to take up his yoke and his burden. It's this yoking. It's even the picture of submission. Literally, that's, I mean, think of it. Here's the ox. The ox could go wherever he wants to go. Right? If we had, anybody know how much an ox weighs? A lot. Okay. Here's this ox that weighs a lot, right? And if I went up to the ox and said, I want you to go that way. If he didn't want to move, he wouldn't move. Right? But the ox, you place the yoke upon the ox. And the ox is then submitting to the one who is driving. And he still has to put in that effort. But does the ox even worry about which direction to go? No. He trusts the one that's leading. Does he worry about how long he has to go in that direction? No. He trusts the one that's leading. We're called to do the same thing. It is an act of submission to put on the yoke that Christ offers us. 
but he says it's easy and his burden is light. And when we compare it to the things of the world, that's when we're able to find rest because we no longer have to struggle and strive. We trust our provider for all these things. We might understand that conceptually, but we struggle to do it. Just this last Friday night when we're at, uh, we're doing the X242 night at the Crawford's house. Uh, great time of worship. Um, and as we, we had a pause in the time of worship uh, and we're just saying, okay, what, what are people hearing from the Lord? What, what's the sense that you're getting from God? We had uh, at least three or four different people um, start off with this idea of, of rest, but also getting this picture of like an eye in the storm. And you have this eye in a storm, like a tornado type thing or a hurricane. And, and, and in the middle of that, all of the wind and all of the chaos is swirling around that. But in the center, it's calm. In the center, sometimes you can almost look up and see the clear skies above you while everything else is just like going crazy. But there you're safe. And if you stay in the eye of the storm, which moves... There's this sense of, of being safe. And as we were sharing that, another person had this concept, this idea of, you know, if, if the eye of the storm represents being in Christ and, and being outside that is, is all uh, of the promises of the world, it's all the chaos of the world, it's all the, the fear and anxiety, it's all the striving, it's all the political mess, it's the responding to pandemic, it's responding to whatever it might be. But it's all responding according to the flesh, according to human wisdom, according to the best laid plans of mice and men, and not Jesus' plans. And if we're standing there in the center, we have peace and we can rest. But what do we find ourselves doing sometimes? We find ourselves looking out into the world and saying, I want that too. Like, I want this peace. I want this protection, uh, but, but I want that too. And maybe it's a sin, or, or maybe it's a sense of security from something in the world, or, or maybe it's just wanting to even stay connected to something. And if we're sitting there in, in this eye of the storm and at peace, and, and we see something out there that we want that, that isn't in Christ, and, and we reach out to try and grab hold of it into the 100-plus-mile-an-hour winds, what do you think is going to happen? We're stepping into the chaos. And the harder that we grip onto something that's out there, the greater the chances of us getting sucked in as well because we won't let it go and trust in Christ. And so we have to be willing to, to let that go, to, to trust in Him and not be grabbing on to the chaos, not be getting sucked into politics and everything else that's happening. Even this sense of like, okay, I'm not going to stick my arm out there. I'm not going to get involved with it. I, I just want to keep an eye on things that are happening. Imagine what that would be like. Here you're in the eye of the storm. You've got the cyclone going on around you. I, I want to keep my eye on every little political thing that's going on and on and on. And you might be in the peace because you're not stepping out into it, but it sure ain't going to feel like it. Because you're spinning around like tra crazy trying to just keep an eye on something. 
We find rest when we're in Christ, regardless of the circumstance. We see some major event that happens, and I could name different ones that have been going on, but I don't want to draw uh, attention to them. But something happens in the world. For instance, what happened in Afghanistan. We have a little distance from that a little bit. So much news going on with that. So easy to go into the rabbit trail to try and hold on to or or just keep our eyes on what's happening there and and then get sucked into the politics of it and who's doing what and whether it's right or wrong. And Again, the rabbit trail just continues to go and go and go. What if you found it in that situation and, and, and here's Afghanistan and what happened there and then saying, God, what do you want me to do about it? I want you to pray. Okay, I'm going to pray for my brothers and sisters. Now I'm just going to let it go because I did what God called me to do and now I can rest and and not get into this sense of striving, trying to hold on or spin round and round, trying to keep my eye on it. If if he wants me to be more involved, pretty sure God can get my attention, especially if I'm just continuing to pray and listen to him. If he wants me to send money to my brothers and sisters who are struggling, then I'm going to step out in faith and do that. I'm going to let the rest of it go. And then I can rest. Because I've done what God has called me to do and not stepped into the rest of it. It's the same for any political situation. It's the same for the finances in our lives and our homes and our budgets. It's the same with relationships and our jobs and all these other things. What is God calling you to do? Be faithful in that and then let the rest go. You submit to what he's calling you to do. You you put that yoke on and you do what he's called you to do and you put blinders on to the rest of it. And then you can rest. That's where we find peace. We can only find true resting to the extent that we actually submit to Jesus as Lord. In all things. If we find areas of our life where we struggle to rest, it's because we're struggling to trust. We're struggling to submit to what he is doing in that situation. And again, I'm not saying that it's all going to be easy. Because I'm sure plowing a field with a plow behind you for the ox isn't easy. Jesus didn't say there is no yoke and there is no burden. But by submitting to him, it's going to be far lighter than anything we can do in our own strength. Far more effective and far much more fruit being revealed to the glory of God than we can do within our own strength. We can trust in him in all these things. And this looks radically different than what the world wants, what the world desires, and what the world tries to control by putting people first. We need to build on Christ. There's a passage I want to read. I actually want to read this whole chapter. Uh, We referenced a section of it already uh, in Isaiah chapter 55. So if you have your Bibles, want to turn there. Uh, We're going to have the words on the screen as well. But I felt like this uh, is so applicable to this message uh, and the things Uh, that we're facing in the world today. So Isaiah 55, uh, verses 1 through 13. This is where it starts off 
Uh, Come, everyone who is thirsty, come to the water. Does that sound familiar? Two, three weeks ago, we were in John chapter 7, when he begins to preach and he says, Come who you're thirsty, and I will give you waters of living life. And he's talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was referencing this chapter in Isaiah 55. Holy Spirit's inspiring this. Jesus quotes it. Come, everyone who is thirsty, come to the water. You without silver, come buy and eat. Come buy milk and wine without silver and without cost. Why do you spend silver on what is not food and your wages on what does not satisfy me? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and you will enjoy the choices of foods. I'm talking spiritually here. He's talking about satisfaction in our lives in this world. That that if we strive on what isn't truly satisfying, if we strive on what truly isn't food, we're not finding rest because it's all effort and no sustenance, no value. But if we put our effort into just submitting into what God has called us to do, we put our effort in that That's where he's our provider. That's where he has us to be. Continues on and says, uh, pay attention and come to me. Listen so that you will live. I'll make a permanent covenant with you on the basis of the faithful kindness of David. I've made him a witness to the peoples and a leader and commander to the peoples. You will summon a nation you do not know and nations who do not know you will run to you. For the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Let the wicked one abandon his way and the sinful one his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord so that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will freely forgive. We get into the verse that we quoted earlier. My thoughts are not your thoughts and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And this is where it starts to apply. For just as the rain and snow fall from heaven and do not return there without saturating the earth and making it germinate and sprout, providing seed to sow and food to eat, so my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, for it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in it what I send it to do. God's purposes, his plans cannot be thwarted. They will succeed. And as we submit to those, we abide in that. Continues on here. You will indeed go out with joy and be peacefully guided. Again, the sense of peace through submission. The mountains and the hills will break into singing before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, a cypress will come up. Instead of a briar, a myrtle will come up and will stand as a monument for the Lord, an everlasting sign that will not be destroyed. This is the sense that we have for our church. We're a church that worships. We're a church that submits. We're a church that rests because we submit. And as we submit to the work that God is doing, his word will not return void as he works uh, in a current and climate in our society and culture that seems chaotic around us where he is working, there is peace 
and there will be growth, and that growth will be a testament to His might, His power, and His glory. Our job as a church is just to submit to that, and whatever that might be. And we continue to seek what that is on Friday nights, and, and as we go uh, through this series, we'll be looking at what that means as we submit to one another, we submit to His plan for us as a church. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. Uh, we thank you for your holy words. Um, we thank you that it confronts us at times. And I pray that as we consider what it means to be a church that submits, um, I pray that first and foremost you would bring healing in areas and people's lives uh, where there has been uh, abuse of power and manipulation and control from regardless of where that has happened whether it's a church situation, uh, marriage, a family, a job. Lord, I pray for healing in those areas. There's lessons to be learned in that because we need to choose who and why we submit to. But Lord, also we acknowledge that your holy word tells us to submit to you to submit to, to leadership within a church, to, to submit to one another. And we've seen that done poorly in this world, but it does not cancel the fact that this is your design and your plan. And so, Lord, I pray that you would guide us. Anchor us truly in Scripture, in love to one another, in love to you and what you have. Trusting that as we submit to you, your yoke is easy and your burden is light, that we will be in the eye of the storm with chaos around us, but in our trust is where you will work, you will grow, you will be glorified, and we just get to be in your presence as you work in us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.